A four-star Air Force general is now predicting war with China. He writes in a memo that Beijing will likely invade Taiwan while the U.S. is distracted by the upcoming presidential election. He says, quote, I hope I'm wrong. My gut tells me we'll fight in 2025. Let's bring in General Jack Keane now. General Keane, thank you very much for being here today. Uh, that's a... That's, that's a pretty big warning that he's putting out there, uh, saying that we'll be at war with China in two years, telling uh, the officers that he commands in this memo in which he made this prediction to get ready to prep by firing, quote, a clip at a target and aim for the head. Do you agree with this prediction? Well, we don't know for sure whether this is imminent or not, because it's subjective analysis, to be sure. And listen... We're at peace, relatively speaking, and it's the duty of commanders to prepare their troops for war. And I spoke in very direct, blunt language, like this general has, in preparing my troops during peacetime for war as well. This is an internal memo. I'm not sure he thought it was going to be publicized. But nonetheless, uh, that that's the motivation he has in doing it, certainly in signaling an eventuality in a couple of years is what's gotten everybody's attention. We don't know whether it's imminent or not. I suspect it's not imminent, but I don't think that's the critical point. The real issue is here is that we don't have an effective military deterrence in place. And what am I talking about? The Chinese have more ships, more airplanes, and more missiles than the United States has. And at some point, quantity has a quality all of its own. They have a decided advantage. The second thing is we're trying to upgun Taiwan, Sandra. And we've got a $19 billion bat log in the equipment that they have requested and already paid for. The Congress has got to fix this foreign military sales thing. It is absolutely handicapping our ability to do what's right. What we're trying to do here, so audience understand, is prevent a war. That is what the intent is here. To do that, let's get Taiwan upgun like we have finally done after the war started with Ukraine. We can't do that once war starts because they're an island nation. We'll never be able to get supplies into them. Secondly, we've got to fix our own inadequacy in the region. Then when we do this objectively, we can make some predictions ourselves that we got a deterrence again and therefore the likelihood of China taking on the United States and Taiwan it would be slim. It would be diminished. But that's not the case now. We, I think, are in a critical zone because we have this vulnerability of a lack of a military deterrence. And it sounds like while you agree this is an eventuality that you don't believe it's as imminent as this four-star Air Force general who's pinning that on the distraction that he says will be uh, the United States presidential elections. Real quick final thought on if you believe Congress will follow through on what you are calling on Congress to do, when this general laid out goals for preparing, he included building a fortified, ready, integrated and agile joint force maneuver team ready to fight and win inside the first island chain. Will Congress follow through on the demands you just said? Well, first of all, the executive branch has got to make that decision. They control the Department of Defense. And listen, he has background in the Indo-Pacific region. His current command has nothing to do with the Indo-Pacific other than he would support it with airplanes. But he spent years in the region. So you take his counsel. He has an understanding of what our deficiencies are there, to be sure. And I'm thinking that's what's driving him to his, to his conclusions. But we need the executive branch to step up 
and really thicken our defenses in that first island chain. We need more ships. We need more airplanes. We need more land forces that control and influence the major navigation routes in the region. And as I said before, we absolutely have to upgun Taiwan. If we've learned anything from Ukraine, we didn't deter Ukraine. Uh, we didn't deter the Russians by having the proper amount of equipment in Ukraine. And as a matter of fact, they saw it as an advantage. And we've done commendable work, obviously, since that time. But it's a major lesson. Yeah. Let's get the stuff into Taiwan now to prevent China from even thinking about taking this kind of action. We hear the urgency from you, General Jack Keane, joining us now. Thank you very much, General. I'm Steve Ducey. I'm Brian Kilmey. And I'm Ainsley Earhart. And click here to subscribe to the Fox News YouTube page to catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. After the protests in China, the dark truth of what happened. You all know what happened a little while back in November of 2022. But what happened to the protesters? Where did they go? Did they simply just get away with calling for the Chinese government and Xi Jinping to step down? It certainly seems that way, especially with all the lack of coverage out there. But no, they did not get away with anything. In fact, the truth is far darker than most people expected. China experienced the biggest protests it had ever had since 1989. As you remember, and if you don't, I certainly hope you learned it in school, but in 1989, one million Chinese people, students to be exact, rose up to ask the Communist Party of China for freedom and democracy. We all know the outcome of that uprising. They were crushed. They were murdered. They were killed in cold blood at the command of Deng Xiaoping, China's leader of the Communist Party of China at the time, and the People's Liberation Army with the guns in hand. China was scared into absolute darkness from then on. Although things progressed economically, no large protests since then formed to stand up to the tyranny of the Communist Party of China again. The crackdown on dissidents spread across the nation, and even globally with campaigns like Operation Fox Hunt to catch anyone saying anything bad about the Chinese government, even abroad. Not only did China watch its freedom rating plummet to the bottom of the world rankings, it went into absolute freefall under Xi Jinping, who took power in 2012 but really cracked down around 2017 or so when he made sure that this Tiananmen type of event in support of democracy in China would never happen again, especially under his watch. A surveillance state of the most supreme intensity was born. Think of 1984, think of all that kind of dystopian end-of-the-world nonsense media that you see, and that's China now. Every single citizen would be tracked with every single action they take. Whether it be where they go, who they talk to, what they buy, everything could potentially be monitored and tracked by the Chinese government. But that all changed real fast in 2022 after the Chinese government subjugated its citizens to years of horrific lockdowns and cut them off from the most basic of wants and needs. 
We all remember the footage. They were taking kids from their parents and sending them to quarantine camps. Can you even imagine that? They starved people in their own homes. They even lied about how many people had died and punished people for talking about family members that had died or fallen ill with COVID. It was a screw-up of revolutionary scale. So, a revolution transpired. Welcome back to 1989. In November 2022, the biggest protests in China, the biggest protests that they had ever seen, had blown up across the country. First, they started with people like Bannerman, who unfurled a banner calling for the end of lockdowns and the end of the Chinese government and for Xi Jinping to step down. This perhaps inspired the protests that broke out across the entire country, with students and elders alike taking to the streets, calling for the end of lockdowns, and subsequently calling for the end of the Chinese government and dictator-in-chief Xi Jinping. It was unprecedented. It was insane. It was something that we had never seen before. Of course, what was the Chinese government's first suspicion? Well, of course, that these protests must be the work of evil foreign forces. It must have been the CIA or other meddling powers that want China to fall. It could never be the oppressed people of China who want change and freedom. No. The Chinese leadership had drank its own Kool-Aid. They truly believed that no one in China organically would want to protest against the Chinese government. Of course, it's told itself, the Chinese government, that it's given its citizens such wonderful things and amazing social programs that they would never want to protest against. Meanwhile, in reality, China's given its citizens nothing but oppression and tyranny. It gave many of us goosebumps. This was their moment. This was China rising up. This was Chinese people calling for the justice and liberty that they deserve. The call to end the tyranny, the censorship, the, the call to end the brutality that controls every single person's life in one shape or another. Then guess what? The COVID restrictions were lifted overnight. Bam, it was done. Mission accomplished? Well, the lack of coverage after the fact would have you believe that all of a sudden, Chinese people suddenly obtained the right to protest and the government caved to their demands. There were no tanks, like in Tiananmen Square. There were no machine guns mowing down the students. Unfortunately, it turns out it's exactly what I suspected. I lived in China for over 10 years. I saw the potential of this horrific government. I saw it go from some gray area, whatever, people can more or less do what they want type of system to a very tyrannical dictatorship. This girl made a heartbreaking video to only be released by her friends if she was taken and disappeared. Xinzawitoisepongyo,在我被失踪后,把这段视频公之于众,也就是说,当大家看到这段视频时,我已经被警察带走了。12月18日,警察又陆续以刑事拘捕的名义,将我的几位朋友悄无声息的带走。他们在
。在这一场成千上万人参与的悼念活动中，在现场我们遵守秩序，没有和警察产生任何冲突的情况下，为什么还要悄无声息地带走我们？这一场报复是为了什么？为什么要用我们这些普通青年的人生作为代价？我们不想凭空被消失，希望大家救助我们，不要让我们不清不楚地消失在这个世界上，不要让我们。It gets much worse. After reaching out to people who I knew were at least near the protests, I had them attempt to reach out to people that they absolutely were a hundred percent sure participated in said protests. I expected at least one response: silence. Every single person that I asked from multiple areas of China answered with confidence that they could reach out to some friends or classmates that they knew had protested and get a response from them. But guess what? Not even one person that participated directly in the protests returned their messages, and some even had their Weibo and WeChat accounts completely removed. The protesters who held up the blank pieces of paper arbitrarily detained. Think about this: some kids holding up blank pieces of paper got thrown in jail. The classic Chinese law, Xun Xin Zi Shi, picking quarrels and provoking trouble, had people snatched and put away for holding up a freaking piece of paper. Organizers and leaders of small protests. These people are gone. China used cell phone data and other methods of tracking to find every last person who showed up to these protests. We had people tell us that they were picked up in question just for living near the protests, or simply being remotely close to them because they were doing some shopping or just passing through the area. What we witnessed was the Chinese government having its cake and eating it too. It let the rest of the world believe that the protesters in China had their voices heard, and peacefully achieved their demands. All the while, tens of thousands of people have been silently massacred. This was a silent Tiananmen. Black bagged and taken away, these kids who were directly involved appear to have vanished. Who knows where they are? Who knows? What happened to them? Do you see how dangerous that is? In 1989, we got to see the true brutality and the aim of the Chinese government laid bare on the news. We saw the blood. We heard the screams. The oppression has now morphed. These people who participated in the protests were removed, but there's no blood to see. There's no screams. To hear, the Chinese government hasn't given any answer to journalists as to where these people are, and the silence is deafening. 不要让我们不清不楚的消失在这个世界上，不要让我们随意的被带走或者被定罪。I hope you found this video useful. And what I think you'll also find useful is my live show every single Friday called the China Show, where I cover all of the news and current events that are happening in China, whether it be people on the ground here or coverage abroad. 
it's your way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening in China from the perspective of me and my friend who lived in China over a decade. Don't forget to click down below and make sure you're subscribed to that channel. You're going to love it. Thanks. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Last spring in March at a press conference in Brussels, Joe Biden explained that the sanctions he was imposing against Russia while morally necessary. We're also going to cause food shortages around the world, including here in the United States. It's going to be real, he said. Now, Biden said this in a very odd way. There was no hint or panic, emotions you'd expect from a leader predicting the deaths of human beings from starvation. None of that. Instead, there was pure nonchalant casualness. Biden could have been describing the weather or a trip to the dry cleaners. It's going to be real. Then, Biden continued, recounting a conversation he'd had with European allies, he told us all about it. When he met with the group, Biden said, they spoke about, quote, how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food shortages. That's what Joe Biden said verbatim. It's on tape. So here you have the president of the United States pledging to increase food shortages at a press conference. Now, that seemed like a newsworthy event, but not a single news organization in this country seemed to notice it happened, nor did the White House correct it. But others were watching, so within days, that clip wound up on social media, and Facebook flagged it immediately as, quote, false news. Now, strictly speaking, that's untrue. There's nothing false about the video. It was entirely real. No one can test that. But apparently, Facebook users were supposed to understand that Joe Biden is senile, and therefore he's not accountable for his own words. Taking Joe Biden literally qualifies as, quote, misinformation. Now, we'll leave that whole episode for you to assess. We can't know what Joe Biden was thinking, if anything, when he uttered those words in Brussels. We can only tell you what happened afterward. Strange disasters began to beset food processors all over the United States. In April, the next month, the headquarters of one of this country's largest organic food distributors was destroyed in a fire, cause unknown. The next month, in a single week actually, two separate private plane crashes took out two separate food processing centers. One plane hit a General Mills plant in Georgia, the other plane hit a food plant in Idaho. By the way, back in February, a boiler explosion obliterated a potato processing plant in Oregon, and so on. So even people who aren't given to connecting the dots, who don't think of themselves as conspiracy nuts, began to wonder, is there something here? But no one could tell. The Biden administration had no answers and no way to get to the answers because they had no data. And that's interesting, because the Biden administration tracks a lot of things, the things that it cares about, the race and ethnicity and sex life, for example, of every person in America. Do we have enough trans-Pacific Islanders playing woodwinds in major symphonies? How about gay Southeast Asians and long-haul trucking? These are the questions that concern the bean counters in the Biden administration. And yet at the same time, that same administration keeps no real records about the infrastructure of our food supply. Apparently that has never occurred to them. So honestly, we can't really know one way or the other because we don't have a baseline whether something strange is going on with food suppliers. But some days you do wonder. On Saturday, an enormous commercial egg farm in central Connecticut burned to the ground for no obvious reason. Huge fire. At least 20 fire departments responded, fought the blaze for over eight hours. More than 100,000 chickens died. Now that's a sad story. But what's interesting is that most media companies did not consider it a story at all. Weird, considering egg prices have become an actual problem for most Americans. Egg prices are up more than 100% in many places. And yet, at that exact moment, when eggs are a concern, 100,000 chickens die in a freak fire 
And the New York Times, which is right next door in a neighboring state, does not even cover the fire? What is that? Don't worry. Things like this have nothing to do with egg prices, say the media. It's just avian flu. Watch. Egg consumption has grown over the years as many people are eating them as their main protein source. But the production has slumped because of the ongoing bird or avian flu epidemic. Over the last year, the USDA says nearly 58 million birds have been infected in the U.S., making it the deadliest outbreak in U.S. history. Unfortunately, the infected birds have to be killed, causing the egg supplies to fall and prices to surge. In some cases, stores are running out and limiting the amount people can buy. We bought eggs earlier this week here at Fry's and Levine. Uh, we paid $8.99 for a dozen eggs. So if you ask the Agriculture Department, for example, or anyone in the Biden administration, to the extent they're paying attention, which is not much, they'll tell you that egg prices are high because avian flu, and that's a completely natural virus, just like COVID. The price have nothing to do with chicken farms burning down. Again, not that anyone in the government tracks that kind of thing. Why would they? because nothing like that could ever happen. Settle down, QAnon! And a lot of people, particularly the national news media, people who could not identify a chicken if it didn't come with dipping sauce, are satisfied with that explanation. But we noticed that some farmers who deal with chickens every day are not convinced. Some of them, some chicken farmers have noticed something odd. Their chickens aren't laying eggs or as many eggs. And these chickens don't appear sick with avian flu. They're not dying, they're still alive. They're just not producing eggs. Now, healthy hens lay eggs on a regular basis every 24 to 26 hours. But suddenly, chicken owners all over the country, not all of them, but a lot of them, are reporting they're not getting any eggs or as many. So what's causing that? Clearly, something's causing that. Some have concluded their chicken feed may be responsible. Watch. Is the commercial feed the reason so many people's chickens have not been laying at all? This is a question that I am asking myself and I have seen all over TikTok, Facebook, everywhere. I'm talking about chickens, tons of people who are having no eggs for six, seven months. Like this is not normal. I have at least 60 hens that should be laying. I have a flock of roughly a hundred and I was getting two to three eggs in the summer all summer long. I genuinely think it's the feed, especially after seeing so many people have the same problem, switching to a local feed and it fixing itself. Really quick. So why'd we just put that clip on TV? Because that chicken owner speaks for all chicken owners because she's the world's greatest expert on avian questions? Probably not. But because the people who should be keeping track of what's going on are clearly not keeping track of what's going on because they just don't care. And so instead of going to the usual sources at the Ag Department or calling the White House press office, we decided to listen to people who actually have chickens. And that one, for example, the lady you just saw says she checked, switched her chicken feed and it solved her problem. Her chickens began laying eggs once again immediately. Now the specific brand of feed referenced in that video is called Producer's Pride. It's made by Purina. Most chicken feed brands are made by Purina. Purina also makes Producer's Pride, that's the cattle feed, recently subject to a recall after regulators linked that product to a series of unexplained cattle deaths. It was removed from shells because there was a good chance you shouldn't be feeding it to livestock. Could that be happening again? Now, we don't know, but we should tell you, because again, no one else seems to be keeping track of this, that it's not just producer's pride that some chicken owners are worried about. Some have concerns about several other chicken feed brands made by Purina. So we reached out to the company today, because again, we're agnostic on this, but we figured we would do a little poking. And they said they've looked into it too. 
and their feed is not the problem. And that may absolutely be true. We don't know. What we did notice, though, was that that explanation was more than enough for most media companies, trained as they are to accept corporate press releases as the final word on any given topic. Well, they said it's not a problem, so it's not a problem. We don't think that's the last word. Again, we can't tell you for certain either way. But we do know, and here's really the point, that America's food supply is one of those topics is worth being a little paranoid about. This is not a matter of how many Trans-Pacific Islander oboists we've got. This is a matter of national survival, of food, the question on which empires rise and fall. And in this specific case, eggs, poultry, and chicken, avian products, are major, major sources of protein in the diets of most Americans. And you need protein to live. If you don't have enough, you get protein deficiency, and that can stunt the growth in children. So a question like this, whatever its cause, could easily flower into an actual public health crisis. And of course, it's also potentially a national security problem. There are so few eggs right now at such high cost that smugglers are trafficking eggs across our border. Watch this. Here at the busy San Ysidro border crossing in California, we're traveling fast about a new good being smuggled into the U.S. U.S. Customs and Border Protection has reported an 108% increase in seized egg products and poultry that people have tried to smuggle through U.S. ports of entry in just the last two months. So are we being a little paranoid about the American food supply? Yes, we are, and we're proud of it. And our leaders should be even more paranoid always about our food supply. Food, energy, water. Those are the three things that matter. The rest of it is noise. And of course, as always, they're ignoring what really matters. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens. Stories that are changing the world and changing your life. From Tucker Carlson tonight. Grassroots support for Carrie Lake continues to surge to its highest level, yet all his mansion squatter Katie Hobbs has begun to embarrassingly unravel. We're going to see the latest bombshell evidence from the Carrie Lake team. We're going to see a little surprise everyone got over the weekend. And make sure to stick with me to the very end of this video when we'll find out how things are going from bad to worse for Katie Hobbs. You are not going to want to miss this. Over the weekend, patriots by the thousands gathered in Scottsdale for the Save Arizona rally featuring the one and only Carrie Lake. And in the midst of her amazing presentation where she dropped a brand new bombshell, she and everyone else got a wonderful little surprise. Not you. But hey, here. Oh my, are you serious? Yeah. President Trump just called in, guys. Okay. Hold up, guys. We have the uh, we have the president on the phone. President Trump, you're not going to believe this crowd. Everyone in Arizona cares about election integrity. Tell them hello. Well, hello, everybody, and it sounds like an unbelievable crowd. I wish I was there with you. Because Carrie is a fantastic person. It's a shame what happened. Uh, they had the machines quote, broken, okay? A lot of these right. Republican area machines were broken. It's a disgrace. And ultimately, she's going to be victorious. But I just want to thank everybody for being there. We love you all. 
Now that was awesome. Now, in her presentation, Carrie dropped some new bombshell evidence about how the election in Maricopa County was clearly tampered with. Check it out. We had observers in MCTEC, and for some weird reason, they had this map on the, on the wall. We thought, well, that's interesting. This is a map, we were told, that shows the hot spots where all the Republicans vote. So you see the areas where it's really heavily Republican in Maricopa County. Now I want to show you another map. The white pins show areas that are just a complete and utter failure. For every single ballot that was tabulated, another ballot was spit out. That's a wash, right? Every ballot that was tabulated, one got spit out. That was sort of the worst case scenario. These other pins here are areas where the tabulators are spitting out ballots all day as well. Now let's just for the fun of it, for grins and giggles, let's overlay those two maps real quick. Oh, now I'm starting to figure out why they needed that heat map. Isn't that something? It's, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, guys. Now, the MCTEC that she was referring to there is the Maricopa County Tabulation and Election Center, MCTEC. And several weeks back, when Richard Barris of the People's Pundit was out there testifying in court on behalf of Kerry Lake, he took a picture of a map that was hanging on the wall of one of the rooms at MCTEC which appeared to be a heat map of the most Republican areas in Maricopa County. And what they've now discovered, and this is the bombshell that Carrie Lake dropped over the weekend, is that those areas line up, they overlap almost exactly with the areas where they were having all those tabulator problems. Now, of course, we now know why, at least in part, so many tabulators didn't work. In their examination of the ballots, Carrie Lake's legal team found that 48 of the 113 ballots they examined were 19-inch ballots produced on 20-inch paper, which caused them to be rejected by the vote tabulator. So this size discrepancy, which according to expert testimony had to be deliberate, this size discrepancy is why the tabulators rejected the ballots and why so much chaos ensued on Election Day when the vast majority of voters came out to vote for Carrie Lake. And more than that, on top of it all, you had upwards of 300,000 ballots failing the most basic chain of custody protocols. Start with 300,000 ballots with zero chain of custody. I'm going to explain this in slow motion, real in, in easy terms for the simpletons in the media back there. Testimony from our whistleblowers down at Runbeck proves that. 300,000 ballots lacked chain of custody. For those of you who don't understand what chain of custody is, it is, it is basically the law that ensures that illegal ballots don't get counted and don't infect our elections. And we know that 300,000 illegal ballots because they didn't have chain of custody, were counted in the final total. So if you're not familiar with how chain of custody works, just think of how evidence tampering works in the legal sphere, right? The way you guard against evidence tampering is by accounting for every place the evidence has been throughout the entire judicial process. So there's an accounting and verification process where and when the evidence is first received, where and when the evidence is taken, where it's stored, who has access to it. If at any point, if that evidence falls out of that verified chain of custody, if clear accounting and verification of the chain of custody is broken, 
that evidence is now inadmissible, not because it did get tampered with, but because it could have been tampered with. And so in a similar manner, this is basically what happened in Maricopa County. The vote recorder for Maricopa County, a fellow by the name of Stephen Richer, admitted under oath that Maricopa County did not count mail-in ballots at vote centers where they were originally dropped off as required by Arizona law. Maricopa County officials have a count of all the ballots at the processing center, but not at the original location where the ballots were dropped off. So the key here is that between transporting ballots from location A, where they were originally dropped off, to location B, right, there's actually no chain of custody record. We have an accurate count of the ballots on location at location B, but uh, there were the ballots were not counted at location A. And there's no objective verification for determining where the amount of ballots at location A is the exact same as in location B. In other words, the number of ballots could have been tampered with during the transportation process from place A to place B. And so that's what Kerry's talking about there with the 300,000 ballots, mail-in ballots that broke the chain of custody, but were nevertheless counted anyway. And as a result, Arizona has perhaps the single most embarrassing governor ever. Wait until you see the level of competence that Katie Hobbs has stooped to. But I got to be honest with you, you know, with all of this corruption that we're seeing from our so-called leaders, I shouldn't have been surprised in the least when I was recently shown just how easy it is to actually access the deed to my house and not just access it, but actually change it. If you don't know, the deeds to our homes is the only document that proves you own it. But the problem is that the deeds to all our homes are now online and criminals are free to find your deed, forge your signature, refile as the new owner of your home, taking tons of loans out using your home's equity and sticking you with the debt. And don't expect homeowners insurance to bail you out because it doesn't. But that is where our good friends over at Home Title Lock come in. Gang, they're absolutely amazing. Home Title Lock gives you the peace of mind that the deed to your home is absolutely and completely protected. And they want to help you right away. Click on that link below and use promo code TURLYTALKS. Then all you have to do is enter your address for your no-obligation home title scan to see if you're already a victim of deed theft. That's a $100 value, absolutely totally free with my promo code Charlie talks, gang, don't wait for the worst to happen only to regret that you didn't do something about it when you could have. Click on that link below right now and secure your home today. Yeah, unfortunately for the state of Arizona, Katie Hobbs is squatting inside the governor's mansion and she is demonstrating herself to be an utterly incompetent embarrassment. If you haven't heard, she's starting off her governorship by putting a temporary moratorium on all executions of convicted murderers. Ironically, because of Arizona's supposed mismanagement of executions. And yet, in the midst of all this, she refuses to tell anyone what her position is on the death penalty. Take a look at this utter embarrassment. Governor, could you clarify what your position is on the death penalty? Um, I don't necessarily think that's relevant here. We just want to make sure that we're studying the practices. So we, I mean, it, the people of Arizona probably have a legitimate question. They want to know where you stand personally on the death penalty. Can you tell us? So she said 
How many times do you want her to say the same thing over and over? <laughs> Don't make me use this boot. <laughs> Don't make me use my boot. <laughs> More ironic words have never been uttered. She's already a disaster of epic proportions. And the good news is that I think we're this is just going to bring about a tipping point in Arizona. As you can see, the grassroots, the Patriot grassroots is more inspired, more energized, more organized than ever before. And if what we've been seeing over these last several months is any indicator, the best really is yet to come. As always, make sure to smack that bell and subscribe button. You'll definitely want to check out my latest video on Jordan Peterson utterly wrecking a woke politician on live TV. You're going to absolutely love it. So make sure to click on the link and I'll see you over there. God bless. Did you see all the crimes and what Trump did? There were none. The violations of the Internal Revenue Code, there were none. None. Year after year, demand after demand. Is anybody demanding Biden's tax returns from his S corporations? Nobody. What if I were to tell you that the senior executive FBI official who was responsible for investigating Donald Trump and the phony Russia collusion issue was colluding with a Russian oligarch to make money? in violation of federal law? What if I were to tell you that? Does anybody see a problem here at the FBI, the level of corruption? And it's not just at the top, the whole attitude, the indoctrination that's taken place when agents just show up and start taking iPhones from Republican members of Congress or lawyers and they don't seem to object. There should be a mass resignation. You might say, Mark, that's easy for you. They need to have a job, really? Well, then join the NYPD. Join the LAPD. There's plenty of jobs out there that are going one and empty. So let's take a look at this. We have... I hope you folks were able to see my monologue on Life, Liberty, and Live In on Fox on Sunday. Many of you were watching football, I know. But many of you DVR'd the show, and I appreciate it. There needs to be a complete, uh, really, change of federal law enforcement and the judiciary, the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the courts. And we're not going to play that here because we don't have time. and It would be uh, uh, repetitive for people who did watch it, but you can find it on uh, Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Getter, Mark Levin Show Parlor, and Mark Levin Show Truth Social. How'd I do? I think I got them all. And, uh, and check them out because I think that monologue was very, very important. Um, and I know a lot was going on last Sunday, so please check that out. So uh, I think Mr. Garland may have seen that because he was very defensive when he was asked a question yesterday or the other day about uh, at his pathetic press conference. We uh, follow the law in an equal manner, in a just manner. We apply it to everybody the same way. Oh, really? Now that's a complete line, everybody knows it. Uh, whether it's Republican members of the House, whether it's the former Republican president, whether it's uh, pro-lifers, whether it's parents, whether it's uh, Antifa versus January 6th, whether it's the border, we didn't need lectures from this idiot. 
but ex-FBI counterintelligence agent aided the Russian oligarch. What's hilarious about this is they're always trying to pin Trump with he's buddies with Putin, he's buddies with Russia. But it's the other side, historically, that's been buddies with Stalin, buddies with Brezhnev, buddies with the old Soviet Union, and buddies with Russia. Now, there are some Republicans and conservatives who uh, seem to have a thing for Putin. It really is mind-boggling and repulsive to me. It's unconscionable. He's a mass murderer. He's a genocidal maniac. All right, let's move on. So ex-FBI counterintelligence aid, an agent-aided Russian oligarch. Go. New today, a retired FBI agent is charged for allegedly helping a Russian oligarch. An indictment unsealed today claims the high-ranking counterintelligence official worked to lift U.S. sanctions on behalf of the Russian billionaire and accepted thousands of dollars from a former foreign security officer. News Nation's Evan Lambert joins us live. Evan, this agent also accused of hiding information from the Bureau. Yeah, Marky, Charles McGonigal was one of the top officials for counterintelligence with the FBI in New York until he retired in 2018. But the Department of Justice now alleging he broke the law working for foreign contacts during and after his FBI employment. We have to establish you specifically as an agent of a foreign power in some capacity, meaning you are working on behalf of a foreign government carrying out some clandestine related activities. That's former FBI special agent in charge, Charles McGonigal, in 2017 at a panel discussion about cybersecurity, counterintelligence, and Russian interference in the 2016 election. Ironically, he's describing behavior he's now accused of. Federal prosecutors unsealing indictments Monday, charging McGonigal with working on behalf of Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska in violation of U.S. sanctions. Deripaska has close ties to Russian President Vladimir Putin and also had a relationship to former President Donald Trump's one-time campaign manager, Paul Manafort. In charging documents, prosecutors allege after his retirement in 2021, quote, McGonagall agreed to and did investigate a rival Russian oligarch of Deripaska in return for concealed payments. McGonagall oversaw investigations into Deripaska and other Russian oligarchs as part of his supervisory role. He would have known all the comings and goings, and if he chose to cherry pick what he saw, he would have just a treasure trove of information to be able to pass to these people. In a separate set of charges, prosecutors say McGonagall deceived the FBI about relationships with foreign nationals that he had while he was still working for them, even meeting with the prime minister of Albania and encouraging him to be wary of giving oil contracts to Russian companies. Prosecutors say it was all in the hopes of benefiting McGonagall's associate and earning McGonagall $225,000 in cash, which he failed to report on FBI. Forms. So to see someone at this high level in the government fall prey to something like this, it's just, um, it's, it's a little bit mind-boggling. McGonagall pleaded not guilty in federal court today. These allegations, they're coming at a time when House Republicans are pledging to investigate the FBI, alleging it's been politicized under Director Christopher Wray, who was appointed by President Trump. Well, that's fascinating. I wrote a few things down here relationship with foreign nationals. And this guy, they should throw the book at him. He was retired. He was in a high position. He was able to give advice to them. He did so in violation of federal law. Sounds a lot like the Biden crime family, doesn't it? Relationship with foreign nationals. 
uh, the Bidens took in, according to Peter Schweitzer, from the communist Chinese alone, the family took in over $31 million. Seems like a lot of money. No wonder they could afford these mansions and so forth. $31 million. His son would go on plane rides with him on Air Force Two and meet high-level Chinese communists. His son would, son would travel with him to other places as well. He was given like this big three-carat diamond, I think, from the Russians. Nobody knows what happened to that diamond. He probably peddled it at some pawn shop, but I don't know. Uh, but it isn't an interesting. They threw the book at this guy like they should. Retired senior FBI official who was overseeing the Russian investigation starts working with an oligarch to try and give him access. There's no evidence yet, but it may come to bear, that he gave them our secrets. I guess that's possible. And then he would, in fact, be violating the uh, Espionage Act. But all that said, you heard the high official. It's very rare for this to happen. We have a man sitting in the Oval Office that will not and cannot explain his finances. Oh, he released his tax returns. He didn't release all his tax returns. But you know what's on your tax returns? What you put on your tax returns. What you put on your tax returns. Now, they got Trump's tax returns released, thanks to John Roberts and the Supreme Court, a disgrace. Six years of his tax returns, they said, because we have a legislative purpose. They had like two weeks left, the, the Democrat majority in the House. There was no legislative purpose. Even to this day, what did they do? They just wanted to release them. Did you see all the crimes and what Trump did? There were none. The violations of the Internal Revenue Code, there were none. Year after year, demand after demand. Is anybody demanding Biden's tax returns from his S corporations? Nobody. Maybe the Republicans in the House, they are demanding to see the Treasury wire transfer information. Uh, the Biden administration blocked that um, uh, when the Republicans were in the minority in the House. And they're going to slow walk all this stuff because the Department of Justice has already told the House Republicans, we'll cooperate where we can. They didn't say that to the January 6th committee, did they? We'll cooperate where we can. Congress has an oversight here of the presidency and the executive branch. The Department of Justice and the FBI are corrupt from top to bottom. Uh, the media are corrupt, bottom up, middle out, or whatever the idiot says, Biden. But you get the point. So uh, there should be a special counsel investigating all this. There won't be as long as Garland is there, and there needs to be a way to remove Garland. Impeachment won't do it because he won't get convicted in the Senate. And this has been one of my proposals, that they slip some language into one of these bills uh, that says that the Congress can remove an attorney general on a majority vote of both houses of no confidence. No confidence, a majority vote. So the filibuster really wouldn't apply. Then you can get rid of a corrupt attorney general like this who's destroying our federal law enforcement and law and order system. Want to see more Mark Levin? Go to levintv.com and subscribe now.